Today marks the 30th anniversary of what was described by Dan Rather as he anchored the nightly news as one of the most bizarre news stories of this or any other era. The murder of United States congressman and subsequent mass suicide at a Guyana settlement known as Jonestown. The events surrounding the horrific end of People's Temple, led by Jim Jones, astounded the world. John R. Hall is a professor of sociology and an affiliated professor of religious studies at UC Davis. He has concentrated on the study of violence involving apocalyptic cults and has written two books about what happened in Guyana, Gone from the Promised Land, Jonestown in American Cultural History, and Apocalypse Observed, Religious Movements and Violence in North America, Europe, and Japan. John Hall, welcome to Radio Parallax. Thanks. Very good to be here, Doug. Well, uh, Dr. Hall, any listeners under the age of 30 may not be familiar with the events of 1978. Can we start by outlining briefly what happened before this fateful day? Uh, What sort of group was the People's Temple? The People's Temple was a religious-slash-political communal movement that had originally been started by uh, Jim Jones in Indiana in the 1950s. And then they left Indiana. They felt it was an interracial group, and uh, they felt that Indiana was hostile to an interracial, interracial group in the, in the 50s and 60s, and so they moved out to California and um, to near Ukiah in the 1960s, and then expanded uh, their services. They were affiliated with the Disciples of Christ in a sort of far-fetched relationship, Uh, and expanded down to San Francisco and uh, Los Angeles and preached in other cities up and down the West Coast and gathered quite a movement of people that eventually um, became increasingly communal in the 1970s, and then uh, about a 1,000 of them migrated to this colony that they had established in Jonestown in Guyana on the northeast coast of South America, in 1977 and 1978. And at that point, there were a number of people who had either left the group or, as is often the case with communal groups and with uh, religious sectarian organizations, uh, there were conflicts between family members not in the group and family members in the group as to whether the people in the group should be there or not. And this, of course, became intensified when the family members went to Guyana to live in Jonestown. So this group gradually became organized of uh, either people who had defected or people who had relatives in the group in 1977 called themselves the Concerned Relatives, and they began uh, a series of publicity and legal endeavors to uh, try to uh, get their uh, children, some of whom were of legal age, Uh, and all of whom, I think, or or many of whom had uh, legal custody arrangements by which they were in Jonestown, tried to get them out. And uh, eventually the concerned relatives uh, attracted the attention of some newspapers and magazines and television stations, and then the attention of Leo Ryan, Congressman Ryan, who uh, went down there 
uh, with the concerned relatives and with an NBC news crew uh, in November of 1978. Well, this this brings us up to to the fateful events of 30 years ago. What what did transpire next? The concerned relatives and Leo Ryan and the news crew landed in the capital of Georgetown, Guyana, and it wasn't exactly clear whether they were going to be allowed to visit Jonestown, which was in a remote part of Guyana. But finally, uh, Jim Jones and uh, the leadership of Jonestown agreed to them coming for a visit. Uh, They came. They had a night of uh, entertainment that was carefully orchestrated in Jonestown. People's Temple, the the people at Jonestown had been uh, carefully cautioned about how they should act during the visit and so forth. It was all carefully orchestrated. And, uh, but during that evening, that first evening, there was a note passed uh, to Leo Ryan by one person who lived at Jonestown, Vern Gosney, saying, please help us get out of Jonestown. And from there, then Ryan began interviewing people the next day and uh, took around 15 people who decided they wanted to leave Jonestown. That's 15 out of approximately 1,000. And uh, he and the news crew and the concerned relatives and the people who wished to leave, along with, uh, I think there was an attache from the State Department or from the embassy, left uh, Jonestown in the afternoon and went to a nearby airstrip to fly away. As they were about to fly away, a tractor carrying a trailer behind it, pulled up at the airstrip, and sharpshooters from Jonestown um, fired upon the group and uh, killed Leo Ryan and three newsmen and uh, one of the uh, people who had wanted to leave Jonestown and wounded about ten others. Meantime, back at Jonestown, uh, Jones and the others had called a meeting of the entire community And when they received the news that uh, Ryan had been killed, then um, Jim Jones implored the rest of them to drink this Flavor Aid, which is a sort of Kool-Aid-like drink sold in Guyana, uh, laced with tranquilizers and uh, cyanide uh, to take their lives. And uh, Jones's argument was that they were not going to be able to live in peace, that they were being harassed. by the concerned relatives that Ryan was just getting his foot in the door, so to speak, and that now that Ryan was dead, they would have to to take their own lives. Well, with almost a thousand deaths, in effect, ordered by Jim Jones, he's widely described as a madman. What are your thoughts on that assessment? Well, I don't know that ordered is quite the right word to use. Uh, There was a meeting and, and... you know, there was a group opinion process that went on over years and years and years because the people who stayed with uh, People's Temple, even in California, were highly committed people. And, and ultimately, people gave all their belongings to have a sort of community of goods. So people were very committed to the community. Uh, they had a, a kind of revolutionary ethic as they saw it, that uh, they believed in what uh, Huey Newton once called revolutionary suicide. Uh, They didn't believe it in in the same way that Huey Newton did, but it was their interpretation that they were willing to die for their cause. So actually at the meeting that took place uh, in the pavilion on November 18th, 
there was a discussion of whether they should take their own lives or not, and uh, quite a few people spoke up and backed, uh, backed Jones. But I think that the larger question of whether Jones was a madman uh, is an important one. Yes, he was uh, crazed, one would have to say, to even think of doing such a thing. Um, he had long sought confrontations uh, with policies in the wider world that he disagreed with and, and was quite an uh, impresario at staging events that uh, uh, drew a lot of publicity. So he once staged an event at a, at a hospital in Indiana that was a segregated hospital and uh, drew a lot of publicity, uh, negative publicity towards the hospital. So he was a confrontational person. Um, I think that one can't explain the murders and mass suicide independently of the struggle that went down between the concerned relatives and uh, Jones and um, the people at Jonestown over a period of approximately uh, a year and a half. And uh, the people, some people from con the concerned relatives were calling People's Temple's Jonestown Colony, a concentration camp. Uh, some people wanted to see it, quote-unquote, dismantled. And this was a community that uh, the people in Jonestown had given uh, their entire life savings to build and, and so forth. So they saw the concerned relatives not simply as wanting to get their children back, but actually wanting to uh, get the community closed down. So I would say that the explanation of the mass suicide certainly depends upon uh, the persona of Jim Jones as this highly confrontational um, sociopathic uh, uh, minister. And, and he was a minister in the strong sense of the term. Yeah, John, I have to ask, when I reviewed, reviewed uh, for this discussion, some of those accounts of people giving their children poison, it just, it just, your hair just stands up in the back of your neck, something, something so counter to normal human behavior. Do we have any insight at this point as to why cult members really surrender their judgment to, to Jones so completely? It's a very rare event, but there are historical precedents of things that have happened like the, that in the past. And I, I'm not so sure that surrendering to Jones is completely the answer. Um, from my experience of interviewing people who become involved in very ideologically committed groups, they take on the beliefs themselves, and uh, it's not that Jones can order them to believe something. It's that uh, he provides the ideas and points of view that they gravitate toward. So it's, it's, um, it's a complicated process that I think uh, actually involves a, a kind of uh, conversion experience on the part of the people who become attracted. And that, of course, is perhaps the most unsettling thing, other than you're, you're right. Absolutely, people killed uh, their children before they killed themselves. Um, but the unsettling thing, I think, is that um, almost anybody who hears this program could have, under certain conditions, entered a group like this and come to believe it. Uh, it's, it, it there's a great deal of research in social psychology that shows uh, tendencies toward conformity on people's part, uh, tendencies uh, to uh, take steps on one's own that uh, 
put you uh, closer and closer to committing acts of violence and so forth. People's Temple had a thousand members, but you know, we, historically, we know whole nations have gone over to ro- rogue ideologies. Uh, Adolf Hitler says in many books written about him is, is really anyone. Is it really about this sort of ability of charismatic individuals to move people? Well, it certainly is about the ability of uh, people, uh, of charismatic individuals to, to, to move people, uh, but they can only move people under uh, certain conditions. Um, Hitler was successful in part because he was uh, both an astute and power-hungry politician, and also because Germany was in an incredible crisis at the end of uh, the First World War. Um, another example uh, of mass suicide is uh, the old believers in Russia in the 17th century. These were Russian Orthodox people who believed that the Russian Tsar was the Antichrist because he was trying to institute reforms in the Russian Orthodox Church. And these people, on repeated occasions, not the same people, obviously, but uh, congregations would um, close themselves in their place of worship and set fire to it. So it's truly astonishing. It's highly unusual, but truly astonishing. The most understandable cases to us are cases like Masada, where uh, the Jews who were uh, fighting there knew that they were either going to die by their own hands or that they were going to be enslaved or killed by Roman soldiers. Uh, So that is perhaps something that people can at least begin to understand. Yeah, well, John, in your discussions of of Jonestown, you noted something that sort of struck me, that uh, that Al-Qaeda sees itself as part of an apocalyptic struggle. Quite, Quite a sobering comparison. Absolutely. Well, the apocalyptic is very much upon us, and that's, of course, the terrifying thing to us is that the apocalyptic, when it occurs, when people really believe that the end of meaningful life in the old world is upon us and that either they have to bring about the new world or start living in the new world. Not all of apocalyptic movements are violent, but some are, and obviously Al-Qaeda certainly has that kind of idea of holy war that it's um, carrying out. Jones at least ostensibly wanted to establish uh, what he called the promised land in, in Jonestown, in Guyana, as a place that went, you know, it was the new world being established. And, and in some ways, their collective sense of what was happening was that they were being pulled back into this uh, struggle with uh, the, uh, as it were, demonic forces of the established order. But you're certainly right. Whenever uh, the, the only kind of really uh, strong conflicts you get between religious sectarian movements and the established order uh, are when the movements have an apocalyptic character to them. Uh, Waco, the Branch Davidians at Waco, is a, uh, an important American example of that. And, and what's important to recognize is, you know, it's difficult for us to imagine being able to control what happens inside a religious sect but we can expect law enforcement officers and the government and the media to be thoughtful about how they deal with these stories. And in in both Waco, especially in Waco, but also to some extent in uh, People's Temple in Jonestown, in both of these cases, uh, the way that external people acted played into the hands of the apocalyptic um, 
uh, opponents. And in many ways, one could you know, create the same analogy about al-Qaeda. The question, of course, with al-Qaeda is how much the actions to fight terrorism actually have converted people to the cause of al-Qaeda. And certain evidence suggests that some people, indeed, some Muslims, were drawn to the cause of al-Qaeda precisely because of actions that we uh, undertook to oppose al-Qaeda. Uh, so it's a very difficult problem, and I don't mean to underplay the importance of, uh, of struggling against uh, an organization like al-Qaeda. Quite to the contrary, I think we have to be very smart about how we do it. Well, I guess that brings up my, my final question, John. We'd all like to know uh, how another Jonestown can be prevented in the future. How, how would you suggest we best go about doing that? The best way to go about it is to avoid those kinds of confrontational uh, situations insofar as it's possible without capitulating to issues about free access uh, and so forth in, in uh, religious sectarian organizations. Uh, the Jonestown murders and mass suicides would never have happened, even with Jones, uh, the person he was, without the concerned relatives uh, traveling down there in a highly confrontational um, uh, visit, a, a visit that was meant to be confrontational. Uh, the same thing with uh, Waco, where the raid on Waco ex itself was both unnecessary and if it hadn't happened, there probably would have been ways more effective to deal with it. You look at the, the Mormon polygamous movement uh, that... Um, uh, was in the news a few months ago, and the government was far more effective in policing that situation than it had been uh, either with Jonestown, where, of course, nobody had any precedent or understanding of the situation, or at Waco. Um, more generally, I think, with al-Qaeda, the trick is to create, create circumstances in which people no longer feel they're in the middle of the apocalypse. And how you do that is um, uh, probably takes a long discussion to figure that out, but you certainly don't do it by going in guns a-blazing. Yes, indeed. Well, John Hall, thank you very much for speaking with us about the events of Jonestown 30 years ago today. My pleasure, Doug. Certainly an important event for us to reflect on. I appreciate you talking to me. Very good. John R. Hall is a professor of sociology at UC Davis. He's written two books about what happened at uh, Jonestown. Yeah.